seated. It is good uh, to be here, and we are praying for several on the prayer list, and we have a new prayer list if you would like one, and I know praying for those that have been sick. My wife was sick, had a bit of a cold or something uh, here <coughs> just this past week, and you know, you're I guess this is the time for it, but we're thankful that all of you could be here today. We are growing apostolic legacy. We have a great legacy around here, over 100 years old and great history. And uh, we're going to talk about today just for um, a, a little bit, advancing through adversity. And... Uh, how do you advance or go forward in the midst of adversity? Most of us have felt at times like this note that I can't do it. I guess at some point you have to take out a pair of scissors and cut off the apostrophe in the T and say, I can do it. But the Bible, and I know there are a lot of self-help books and a lot of books out there, and I just want to take a few minutes, and I know we've all been feeling uh, the adversity. You feel the, uh, <clears throat> the times that you seem like uh, you get hit and you, you know, have to come back. And, of course, even in sports, you will hear uh, coaches talk about this is a rebuilding year and we're reloading and we are uh, regrouping and we are uh, doing some of those things. And I know over the world, I think somewhat, the world is resetting after COVID. Doesn't mean that it's totally over, but um, we are doing some of the same even here and then of course with people that have been sick or injured and uh, that we are uh, trying to fill in the gaps and fill in and reload and yet I was thinking about all of that and kind of looked in the Bible and it the faith chapter and you know uh, when you feel like you can't do it you find your faith draining and you've probably never been there and how are we going to go forward and what are we going to do and how's it, how's it going to work and how can life be the same and all of those questions and then I, my eyes went to the faith chapter and the sixth verse of course this chapter opens up by saying faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it begins to go through the heroes of the faith. The sixth verse says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must, first of all, believe that he is and that he is a rewarder, everybody say rewarder, of them that diligently seek him. And so I, I, I started thinking, well, you know, in the midst of all of this, one thing that you cannot, if you're going to advance through adversity, you got to keep reminding yourself there is a God. Amen. 
There is a God. I know it may not feel like you can see him. You cannot, you don't know what's going on. You can't understand why you did it. But there is a God and he is God and he has a plan and he has a purpose and he knows what's going on and he's not helpless in any of this. Now you may say, well, this country attacked this country and this candidate won and this candidate lost and how could this and I let me just tell you God is not out of control the Bible is very clear he sets one up he puts one down I know he might you might think that the world could care less about God but I'm telling you whether you acknowledge him or not there is a God and he knows what's going on and he is able to intervene even in people that are unsaved throughout history. God, you know, used Nebuchadnezzar. He used Pharaohs. He used people that didn't even believe in him to accomplish what he wanted to see accomplished. And he told them, I'll, I'll call Assyria from where it is to come down and take you captive, you know. And in, in a sense, in a prophetic sense. So knowing that there is a God and he has a plan and he is, uh, has a purpose for our life, that you've got to keep, you've got to keep reminding yourself. Then you have to keep reminding yourself that he is a rewarder. Everybody say a rewarder. rewarder. Now that could have been punisher. He is an exacting uh, list checker. He is going to check and make sure you're doing everything exactly right. He is going to micromanage. That's not what it said. He is a rewarder. It is God's desire. It is God's purpose to do good, to reward. And so, you know, in fact, what we know that according to the word, he is able to take stuff that is meant for evil Amen. and turn it to good. In fact, Joseph recognized that when he looked at his own brothers and he said, you guys meant this to destroy me, to kill me, to get rid of me, but God used it Amen. for good. So you, you have to still believe. I don't know how. I don't know when, I, when things happen, it's how are you going to use this for good? How, what, you know, and what I try to do is try to figure it out. And you know what? I'm still not God. So I must do the last one on the list, diligently seek him. Diligently. Now, I don't know what that means to you to be diligent. But when times of adversity, what it means to me is that your faith begins to be under attack. You have got to increase your diligence in seeking God. You say, well, I pray every morning I get up and say, Lord, bless us. I, I pray, you know, before I eat. Uh, you know, Lord Jesus, bless the food. I pray at night, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. And that's great and that's wonderful. But when you are in adversity, you got to start praying a few times in between there. Amen. You got to have to 
put a, a prayer note and uh, every so often just stop and go into a secret closet and say, Lord, touch. Lord, bless. Lord, why? Because I know that I want to diligently seek him. Oh, I realize all these things, as I said in Romans 8, chapter says, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. So uh, what happens in the midst of adversity, I start saying, Lord, you tell me what your purpose is. You try to tell me what's going on. I want to do it. I want to diligently seek your face. I want to be in your presence. I want to feel your presence. I want to be in the house of the Lord. Why? Because I'm under attack. I feel like I'm in adversity. So I need to increase my seeking God. You say, well, I don't feel like seeking God. That's exactly right. And the enemy knows that, which is why he then says, well, you know, I'm going to hit them. And then they won't turn to their source of strength and their source of help. And I know adversity has always had a sort of a mysterious tone to it because we are almost like the disciples were when they went to Jesus and they saw a guy that was blind from his birth. Remember the story? John, the ninth chapter. And they asked the Lord. They said, you know what? This guy was born blind. Who did sin? This man or his parents? And that's a great question. Because anytime there's adversity, you know, one of my first responses is, Lord, is there something in me I need to get, get rid of? And that's a good response, self-examination. It's not wrong to do that. But immediately we want to find out who's to blame. And I think on one level, it would have been easier if the Lord would have said, well, he had bad parents. We'd have gone, okay, yeah, he probably did. That, those, those parents were no good. But you know what the Lord answered? He said, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. The disciples were curious because they were saying something bad has caused the blindness. Jesus was saying the blindness is to cause something good. Boy, that's hard to swallow sometimes. <laughs> you mean what I'm going through is to produce something good in me, in somebody else? Is to build faith? Wait a minute. I, I, you don't understand. I want to know. And, and I think it's, you know, as I said, I, I think probably we've all asked the question, why did this happen? Why did it happen? Now, there's a danger in asking that question. I'm going to just be candid with you. To ask why did it happen is okay. I, I'll give you that one. But when you add the word me to it is when you get into problems. 
Why did this happen to me? Why did it happen to me? Because the focus then becomes on me. I've been good, I've prayed, I've gone to church, I, 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 I. And it's not about, if you're gonna, if you're gonna ask a question with me, you should ask, why not me? Why not me? If I've got a good relationship with God, who better to handle the adversity? Ooh. <laughs> that doesn't fit well, does it, with our thinking? But when you, you realize what Simon said, the devil is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Does that apply to all of us? So why not us? Huh? Well, even Jesus said, it rains on the just and the unjust. How many people in here today are just or unjust, one or the other? I think most of us fit that bill. Somewhere between just and unjust. Huh? And the famous song that David wrote, yea, though I, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You see, if we get the focus off of me, when you say, why did this happen? Why did this happen to me is bad. If you say, why did this happen? Is it, it's okay to say, is it spiritual or is it natural or is it a combination of both? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's fall festival time and it's wonderful. And if I eat three pounds of candy, I'm probably going to have a severe stomach cramp. I can lay there in my cramping stomach and say, why did this happen to me? Oh God, why am I going through these severe stomach pains? In reality, I probably could figure it out. If you had stopped after just two pieces of candy, you may not be in the pain you're in right now. See what I'm saying? So, but it's not about who do I blame. You can say, well, you blame you, but it's why is this spiritual or is it natural or is it a combination of both? What I do know is, no matter what adversity you're feeling, even if I ate three pounds of candy and I am laying with severe cramps and I'm moaning and groaning, the enemy will use that as a doorway to say to me something spiritual. God has forsaken you. He is, you're gonna die right now 
You were so stupid and you're going to die because of your stupidity. And he is going to do his best. He will make it spiritual. Do you understand what I'm saying? He will use a natural adversity and attack spiritually. Why? Because he never lets a good opportunity go to waste. Now, then, you know, the next question really is, okay, should be, why this? Why this? Is there, can I figure it out? And sometimes you don't know. Is it spiritual? Is it natural? I don't know. I don't know. Did somebody cause this? Is somebody else at fault? I, I don't know. So then who is responsible? So that's the logical next question is who is responsible for this? And that's what the disciples were asking. Did this man sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus said, neither have sinned. Now, do I really believe that neither one had done anything that was wrong? You're telling me there were two parents, a mom and dad, that were absolutely perfect and a child that had been raised for however many years and he was perfect? There were a lot of sins, I'm sure, Jesus could say, well, they didn't do this, they, huh? Do I really think that when Jesus said, neither hath sinned, he wasn't meaning that they had never done wrong or they had never sinned, but he was saying that nothing that they had done had caused the blindness. I am sure he could have said, well, I remember he got mad at her she threw a rolling pin at him. Huh? Why? Because he wasn't watching the blind baby and the baby almost got burned. She hollered at the kid. I... But none of that produced the blindness. Do you see what I'm saying? So when you look at that story, what Jesus was trying to show the disciples is quit focusing on the sin, but focus on the good that God is able to do with this. And when you're getting pummeled, you have to quit focusing on the negative and start focusing on God. You're fixing to do something great. I don't know how you're going to use it, but I know you're going to use it. I don't know how you're going to use Brother Larry to be a blessing, but you're going to use it. I don't know how you're going to use this cancer, but you're going to use it for the glory and and the glory of God. You, you see, we, we, and yet we are scholars enough to know that sin does produce bad things. The Bible is very clear about it. It talks about the wages of sin. What is the wages of sin? It's death. And so we recognize that sin has negative effect. 
And yet the Lord told through James, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it finished, bringeth forth death. Now, James was just talking about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And he was saying, he was using this to say, you let that desire and you start, you follow it through before long, you're enticed, and then before long you sin, and when sin is conceived, it destroys. Now, you say, well, I, I did this and I, I'm still alive. It didn't kill me. But I'm going to tell you, it starts working death in you. Whether it's death of relationships, whether it's a physical death, whether it's death of ambition. You know, I've seen people that, that just, you know, they've lost all drive. They lost discipline. They lost all sense of what is right, righteousness, emotional death. In fact, that, that, that whole thing with Adam and Eve, the day you eat thereof, you'll die. And it didn't die immediately. Years later, after burying a son, after all they'd been through, but there was the death of the relationship. No longer did they walk in the cool of the garden. No longer did they have access to the fruit of the garden. There was an angel there to protect. It was a hard row. It was something that they've, oh, they, they set themselves up for a hard life. I understand. You say, well, I've sinned. I've done wrong. What, you, what is the answer? I'm here to tell you there is a drop of blood that was shed on Calvary. If you've sinned, today's the day to raise your hands and say, Lord, forgive me. I need you to wash my sin. I need you to get it out of me. I need to pull it away from my body. I don't want that thorn. I want your for grace and forgiveness to wash me and cleanse me. Talk about we can baptize you in Jesus' name. You can get the Holy Ghost. What are you doing? Why, why all of that? Because we are all guilty of having sin. And I know the effects of it. And I'm sorry, I don't want to get paid. I don't want to go up to the paymaster and say, here are my sins. Because I know what my, my verdict would be, death. That's why I can have a blood cover that. And I can say, yeah, oh, but by grace I stand here. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Oh, hallelujah. And I know, I, I, I realize, I, you say, well, do you repent? I repent every day. I repent multiple times a day. Why? Because if I don't, I know what that sin does. It brings forth death, that bitterness, that anger, that frustration. Will you be numbers? He said, all have sinned.
sinned against the Lord and beware your sin will find you out another place as you sow you shall reap I'm going to tell you when you sin it will get you but that doesn't mean all adversity is the result of your sin the adversity might be that the Lord is trying to get you to examine yourself and stop sinning might be for good and yet I know Paul said in the New Testament for those of you who think I'm just concentrating in the old be not deceived God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth that shall he reap he that soweth to his flesh shall reap corruption he that soweth to the spirit shall reap spirit shall, uh, shall of the spirit reap life everlasting how do you sow to the spirit How do you sow to the flesh? <laughs> we read that verse. How do you do that? You give in to the fleshly desires. Guess what? That's sowing to the flesh. How do you sow to the spirit? I don't really feel like praising God. I got I got to sow to the spirit a little bit. You don't understand. I've got some adversity coming my way. I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm I'm growing a good batch of Holy Ghost. <laughs> I make sure I got a Holy Ghost fl flowing through me. What are you talking about? In fact, you know the Bible said all that Job, and we know the story of Job, and you can read the book of Job, and it opens up in the first chapter. Jesus Himself said Job was righteous, but in the first chapter He says He was blameless, upright, feared God, and, and shunned evil and yet all that stuff happened to him Jesus said to the Jews which believe on him if you continue in my word then you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free sometimes I'm to blame sometimes others are to blame sometimes the devil's to blame And the devil will always use any other time if I've eaten, as I said earlier, if I've done it to myself, he will always use adversity to attack us spiritually. That's his job. I don't care what, what it is that happens to you. You get sick, you get whatever, doesn't matter. He will use it to attack you spiritually. That's part of what his job is. To try to destroy you spiritually. This is why you've got to keep sowing to the Spirit. David said it like this in Psalms, the 46th chapter. You ought to, ought to read it. If you're ever in trouble, this is a chapter, you, one of the chapters you need to read. God is our refuge. Make it personal. God is my refuge and my strength my very present help in trouble. Therefore will I not fear. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and the troubled and the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. Oh, 
hallelujah, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Not tabernacle, but tabernacles. It was already David was seeing our bodies are the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. And he said, there is a river that flows that you can step into, into the tabernacles. God is in the midst of her and shall not be moved and God shall help her and that right early the heathen raged the kingdoms were moved he uttered his voice the earth melted the Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our refuge is our refuge come Behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaks bows, he cuts spears, he burns chariots. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. No matter what the adversity, I can run. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I can run into it. I can run into his presence. What do you, how do you advance in adversity is whenever it seems like everything's going on, run into the presence of the Lord. Get into the refuge of God. Say, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to sow to the Spirit. I'm going to sow to the Spirit. I'm going to sow to the Spirit. You say, well, but you don't understand. I, I, don't, I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like I understand that. I've had people ask me, does God ever send adversity and unequivocally, theologically, the answer is no. God does not send adversity. God can allow adversity for a specific purpose, but he's not the one that's trying to send it. What are you talking about? When God allows adversity, it's ultimately for our good. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 11th chapter and the 12th chapter, Paul talks about all kind of adversity he faced. Beatings and imprisoned and all of that. And the amazing visions and revelation he had. And he got these visions. And then he ends the discussion in the 12th chapter by saying, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, or three times, that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, 
will I rather glory in my infirmities that the I need to plug into the power. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul believed that the Lord had allowed this thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan brought it but that it was not at all to punish or to correct. And I understand, you can go into whom he loves, he chastiseth and all of those things. That, but he said, where this is, is to have some good in my life, to bring something good that the power of the Lord will rest in me. What are you talking about? God will not let adversity destroy. That's Bible. You remember Job? He let him do all kinds of stuff. And then Job said, well, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't failed. If you'd let me touch his body, he'll curse you. And you remember what limits God said? Okay, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. And he let him go through a lot. Daniel, he said, I tried to get to you for 28 days, but then there was a limit. Joseph, limit. Over and over and over again, the Lord sets limits. Why? Paul had acknowledged in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, God is faithful. Everybody say faithful. faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape. Just a moment, I want you to look around this room. If a fire went off, where would you go to escape? Because of a law, we have red lights marking doors that would go out of this building. If a fire broke out and you ran up here and said, I don't know where to go, I would say, look at those red lights. They've actually got other lights beside them. Follow the light and you'll get out of here. What is our escape pod? is through the Spirit. The only way you can escape the adversity is for a moment when you come into His presence. Whether you're at home, whether you're here at church, and you begin to raise your hands, and you cry out for deliverance, and you say, Lord, I need help. I, 
I don't know what's going on. I don't understand why, what you're doing, but somehow I'm not gonna focus on the blindness. I'm gonna focus on the good that you're fixing to do. I'm gonna focus on what's coming our way, what's coming my way. I don't know, you know, you know, because there's a promise that said all things work together for I want to be called to your purpose. So then I start thanking the Lord. (laughs) Start thanking God for what he's doing. Even if you're not sure what he's doing yet. I'm not sure what he's doing. But I'm going to start thanking you anyway. You're up to something. I don't know what it is, but something's good's coming. I can feel it. I, I can just tell you. And so then I verbally start reiterating, I still trust you, Lord. I still trust you, Lord. I Just like the three Hebrew boys, I don't know what's going to happen, but one thing I do know, God is able. I still trust you. I still trust you. I still trust you. How do you advance in the midst of adversity? Run into the tower of the name of Jesus. Run into the presence of the God and say, Lord, I don't know what all's going on, but one thing I do know is you're still good. You're still God. You're still able. 